Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So as I said, I alluded to earlier, you know, this weekend we do uh, honor, celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King and such an important person in the history of our country. I believe God used him. He's just not a historical figure. I, I know there's not biblical figures today in modern day, but he would be one, I would say. And so he carries an anointing on his life, a calling in his life to bring about change. And so um, he was courageous enough to step into that place and be a hero of faith and be a champion. And God used him in many ways, and his legacy still lives on. And so, you know, tomorrow, as I said, we hope that you all will come out and be a part of it because we are truly blessed and privileged here at Tree of Life to have a multicultural, multi-race, however you want to say that, uh, congregation. But I don't believe that's by accident. I believe that God has blessed us and graced us in that. And I don't, I don't say this in comparison to any other church. Every church has a calling. And so, but I believe that, you know, as God has created a diversity here at Tree of Life, I believe it was by his divine design. The reality is that churches can't always necessarily be diverse because their communities are not diverse. And so, you know, years ago when Tree Life started, over 37 years ago, New Braunfels in 1981, I was 13 years old, New Braunfels was not very diverse as far as the African-American population, it had a Hispanic population. Many of you that were uh, Hispanics growing up here in New Braunfels remember in the early 80s, back into the 70s, it was still somewhat segregated. They had some different schools and some of you will remember some of that. Um, but it wasn't diverse with the African-American population. And so my dad's heart always, when he came to New Braunfels and we started the church, he always prayed for this church to reflect the heart of God, to reflect the diversity of the community. And so, again, there wasn't a whole lot of African-Americans that time, but we did from time to time see him come. My dad prayed that all the time. Lord, let us be a church for everyone. We prayed for young, old, rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic, whatever that was here. And so my dad, and funny enough, my dad would even go to the Hispanic Ministerial Alliance. He would go to that. Uh, they would be surprised. He'd wa- just walk in, and they'd be surprised. And he became great friends with many of them, like Pastor uh, Brother Yamas, who pastors uh, Iglesia Bethel, and uh, helped the church. Our church would help them, and we built classrooms for them, did other things. But it's funny because when he'd come into those meetings, some of them welcomed him, some of them not necessarily. So some would speak English to him. Most of the meeting, everything was conducted in Spanish, and my dad would just sit there and smile. You know? <laughs> Hey, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, but his heart was reflected there and it really made a difference. And in fact, here as well, it broke down the barriers. And then I believe it was helped set us for where we are today, right? We stand on the shoulders of those who've gone on before. Amen. The prayers are still alive and active. And so I believe that's always been the call for tree. Now, also in January, this, this year, in January, this month rather, we uh, also really celebrate uh, the move out here to I-35. So for many years, we were in, in New Braunfels proper. We still are within the city limits, but we were more in, in the community. And the move out here, I don't know, maybe 14 years ago, I can't remember, 2005. The move out here, I believe, we thought we're looking at, wow, what a great piece of property. We got 54 acres. We can do a ton of stuff there. We can be a huge blessing. I-35, cars, traffic, visibility. But little did we know at the time that it was God's intent for us to be here so we could connect with a greater, diverse population. Because even though New Braunfels still is not, it grows in the African-American population, but it was more found here in Seguin, of course, in the San Antonio, Cibolo shirts, and a lot of it because of the military. But the positioning, come on, positioning, as God positioned us, then it opened the door for a greater number of diverse people to come, which I believe is the call of God on this church and gives us, therefore, a voice. Amen? So God has been working and planning and orchestrating and positioning. We just need to be obedient and have open hearts to what God is doing. And every church, wherever they find themselves, need to be opening and accepting uh, and loving of people. 
And so, but I do believe this. I believe that it is the call of tree of life. And so having said that, here's what I think that God is asking. Here's what I believe, rather. God is asking, and prob- probably sooner than what I'm responding, but that we not only celebrate our diversity, but we champion it. And there's a difference. And so, especially in the world we live in today, it's, it's, it's one thing to have the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk, right? And we need to be that church that rises up with the diversity God has graced us, privileged us with, and be a voice and say, it does work. It can work. It can make a difference. Amen? And so that's the heart this year. When God spoke that word in my heart to be one, it comes from John 17. That's the whole point of today, the series. And really, I believe that's the direction we're headed for this new season, is to make sure that we're not just saying that we're diverse and celebrating our diversity, but championing it. And let me say this also along with that, because I've never considered myself to be someone that discriminates or, or, or racist or any means. I've not grown, grown up in that culture necessarily very often per se. I'm so thankful for Pastor John and Pastor Dave, the African-American pastors we have on staff. They really helped me understand, because now what I've realized, it's not enough just to uh, be welcoming and warm and loving, and it's never really even something that I say and that I do it's the things that I don't say and do. And so I can open my arms up and embrace, but if I don't talk about it and champion it, I'm missing out. And so I found myself, not in a sense being silent per se, from a standpoint of racism or discrimination, because I don't believe that, but I, but I think then we need to be vocal about it, because sometimes it's not what you say or do, it's what you don't say and do that speaks louder. And so from this point forward, Tree of Life Church, and that, this may be great with some of you, great, not great with some of you, but this, what it is, we're going to have a voice greater than what we've had in the past, and we're going to champion the cause for diversity and walk forward in the calling of this church. It is what it is. So there you go. So, and I, and I don't apologize for that. I don't back down for it. I believe because that is the call of God. And so um, I wanted to share some things with you from the word today. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said in the 60s, he said this, 11 a.m. on Sunday is the most segregated hour in America. Think about that. 11 a.m. on Sunday, that's when people are having church. The most segregated hour in America. Are you kidding me? I mean, we're supposed to represent a father of love, unconditional love and welcoming and accepting, but yet the church finds itself being segregated. In fact, 15% of churches in America today are considered fully integrated. 15%. That means 85% would not be considered integrated, but still somewhat segregated. They maybe have a dominant race or a dominant culture or mindset. And so, but we're here to express the life, love, and power of Christ. And he died for everybody. And God's heart's for everybody. And so we want to change that here. We want to be that expression. But, the, but here's, the, here's the bad thing about that. There's so many, so many negatives about that, but really... When, we, when 85% of the church does not reflect that in the heart of God, if you will, and again, now keep in mind the caveat would be in an area that is not diverse, we send a message to America that we can't function as one. I mean, if we can't love each other in the body, how can we love the world? And we send the wrong message. We don't send a message uh, to those uh, who don't know Christ. We send a message to those who don't know Christ that we can't even figure it out in the church. And so we need to have a better message. It seems like we are maybe becoming more focused on earthly cultures than kingdom culture. And I think really that's the difference maker right there. So John 17 says this, here's Jesus with his prayer to the Father. He's praying, he says, my my prayer is not for them, meaning his disciples or his small group alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I pray for followers, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us So that, now listen to this, the reason for oneness, the reason for unity is so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
It's not just so we can get up here and say, hey, look how diverse we are. It's not so we can say, we can say we help everybody, we love everybody. It's so the world will know that God loves everybody. If his representation doesn't act like they do, then how are they ever going to know that he does? See, I think it's greater. I think the greatest, we, we think the greatest witness is miracles, signs, and wonders. And, and I, I believe that's a great witness. We think the greatest witness is perhaps this, this move of God here and there. But can I tell you, just perhaps the greatest witness about who God is, is the unity and love of his people? That's what the Bible says. I've given them the glory that you gave me or everything that they need to walk this way that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to a complete unity, a mature unity. Then, say then. Then, when we use what he's given us to walk in that place of maturity or unity, then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved me, even love them even as you have loved me. I love that, really. Ultimately, the greatest reason for unity is not for our well-being and functioning together without strife and division, but it's so the world can see that there's a God that loves them. And so it's a powerful thing that we need to make sure that we are understanding and therefore we are walking in. And again, we are privileged here at Tree of Life. God has blessed us with a multicultural, diverse congregation. Now, according to John 17, this has to be the calling on the church and his followers, everyone. And in our church in particular, I would say that because that's what we're talking about today. But listen, here's what I find really interesting. So has anybody in here ever, just for fun, anybody in here taken that DNA testing thing? I mean, I don't know. I, I, want, I haven't taken it yet, but I want to take it right. You fill it out. We've bought it for Christmas presents for families. It's really very interesting, right? In fact, I read an article yesterday preparing for today about a set of identical twins that got completely different results. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Okay, but anyways, I still want to do it. So I, I see where I come from. But just from my family history, passing down, my, my great-grandparents, grandparents, mom, dad, all down to that, I know a little bit of our family history. And I know on my dad's side, on my dad's side, uh, you, can, you can trace the Duncans all the way back to Scotland. In fact, there's a clan, a clan Duncan, the clan Duncan. And there's a, there is a, a, a coat of arms. And you trace them, my grandmother traced it all the way back to William Wallace times and William Wallace days, like freedom and all that. And if you don't know, if you don't believe that, come on, that's not part of your heritage. Callie, would you stand up, please? <laughs> Scotland, Ireland, come on, redhead, white skin. Come on, beautiful, right? She could be in the Castle River dance, right? She could be Well, come on, it's fun. Come on. Okay. My wife said stop, so. All right, I gotta stop. So, on my mom's side, you can trace my mom's side back to Germany, and Putnam is, is her maiden name and, and things. And, and then my dad's mom, her side, uh, there's Cherokee Indian in there. And, and so, come on, how many of you guys know there's a lot? You could trace a lot of things. We're kind of a mixture of a lot of things. There's a little something, something to everybody. Right? I mean, so why are we struggling and fighting over one thing? There's something in all of us. But the truth is, if you were to really trace your heritage and legacy all the way back, it goes all the way back to one man. His name being Adam. All of humanity came from one man. So not to be cheesy or whatever, and people hold those, those, those cards up and, and protests or marches or whatever it is and, and say, we're all one race, a human race. That's true. And it all comes from Adam. But here's the thing about Adam. When God created Adam, he created him out of the dust of the earth. He, we're all made from dust. We may be different colored dust, but you know where the value comes from? Then the Bible says that God breathed life into Adam and he became alive. We have value because of the life of God breathed in every. That's where the value is, not on the dust, but on the life that God put there. 
that he himself put there for humanity. And so it's important for us to understand that, that we are all one race. When we get to heaven one day, we'll see each other not through, the color, not through color or culture. We'll find out that we're really, really one together. And cultures are really what divides us, if I could use that word, because it's really what it is, because even within certain races, because of nationality or where they live, or there can be division, right? I mean, cultural thing. And so we understand that really culture is the issue. As culture is established, we feel comfortable in a certain com- culture, uncomfortable in another culture. In fact, cultures where races, uh, I'm sorry, cultures where uh, wars are fought over cultures and laws are passed, behaviors are formed, prejudices are formed because of culture. And again, I would, I would submit to you that really the battle is, are we gonna follow the earthly culture or the kingdom culture? Because the kingdom culture is what we need to follow and be a part of because when Christ comes into our life, he does something unique in us. God puts a love in us for others outside of our culture. That's what he does. And when you study the scriptures, you'll keep seeing this one word, and it's the word where the series comes from, and it is the word one. And when you look at scripture, it's very powerful, and you'll realize in the Bible, God has a lot to say about the word one. In fact, when God describes himself, he describes himself as three different personalities or expressions, Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but we know him to be as one. And it's really the oneness of God, even though three unique expressions, that is the power of God. Amen? So he describes himself as three unique personalities or expressions, but it's the oneness of God that brings the power. When God's speaking to humanity then, and he's talking about bringing a husband and a wife together, a man and a woman, he says, leave leave your father and mother and come together. He's saying two individuals come together, and he says, I will make two as one. And the problem in marriage is when that one then becomes, becomes two individuals again. See, the power is when they come together. The problem is, is when they go back to individuals again. Because oneness and unity can release power. Individuality can release destruction and division. And so God chose the marriage relationship between a man and woman to be the expression of his love towards humanity. So think about how important that was, the two becoming one. And then, and then Jesus talks to his followers and says, hey, listen, to do what you need to do, you need an empowerment from on high. Go to Jerusalem, go to the upper room, wait for the promise of the Father there. The Holy Spirit's gonna fall and empower you. So 120 Christ followers go to the upper room in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that while they were there in one accord, Together as one, 120 as one, the power of God fell, the Holy Spirit fell as a fire. They were all filled with the Spirit. And it says they began to speak in other tongues, and then they poured out into the street. Now understand, it was Passover, so in that day, the Bible says people from every nation under heaven, every culture, every language, every race was represented under heaven, were there in the streets, and then they began to hear them speak in their individual languages. And what did they speak? They all spoke as one in individual languages, and they spoke the wonderful works of God. 120 people brought together by the, and the power of God falls, and then it's released into the nations, multicultural, multi-race, and then all of a sudden the church, New Testament church is established. Understand, the New Testament church was not established with one race. It was people from every nation under heaven. The beginning of the church, which is so divided today, was established and started by the power of God falling on Christ followers that were in unity, released into the world, and out of every nation under heaven, they gathered and became the church. 
It's a picture of the church. But man has got more concerned with earthly culture than kingdom culture. And you begin to see focuses on that. We're more comfortable in this culture, not comfortable in that. And you see the vision and you see the things that we have today. So Jesus, before he leaves the earth, he prays his prayer. John 17, 11, here's what he says. I'm coming to you, Father. I will not stay in the world any longer, but they are still in the world. Holy Father, keep them safe because they're gonna be under attack. There's gonna be opportunity for them, Lord, to, to divide and, and, and to not do what you've called them to do. The enemy's gonna come in. Culture and society's gonna come in. But keep them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be what? One. Keep them safe. Give them the power of my name to keep them safe from being divided. Somehow along the, the, the way that it must have been forgotten that we have the power to stay united. But we in our humanity will tend to lean more towards earthly culture perhaps than kingdom culture, but we have the ability to focus and grow in the kingdom culture. Kingdom first. The problem with that, I think, is in today's world, it's not that we don't disagree with that we need to be kingdom first focused. We need to learn how to walk kingdom first in an earthly kingdom. And then we can stay focused on the heavenly culture, not the earthly culture. So Paul writes a letter then to the church in Galatia. The book of Galatians is a letter Paul wrote to the church in Galatia at a time when there was great division because in that day, in that culture of that day, if you will, there was great division among the people. There were discrimination and prejudices against different people groups, but also within it, there was a caste system that they were, they were born into privilege and, and on down it went to these people were born into the lowest a caste. They could never be anything but a slave or but a servant. And so they operated. That was their culture. That's a culture of the day. So Paul wrote a letter knowing that it would not go well with people that grew up in that environment because they had lived a certain way for so long and they had become culturally minded. So he's writing to the church that was operating obviously in that way, even though they were the church. And he's writing a letter that knowing that it would be controversial would not go well. And here's what he wrote in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And you know what Paul was doing right there? I believe, because they'd never heard anything like that before. But Paul then was setting the standard for pastors and churches that you cannot preach what culture wants to hear, what culture wants to do. You must preach what God says in his word and his truth. You have to preach the truth. And that's the problem. Preachers and people and churches and stuff, we get off, we get more concerned with the earthly culture and we miss the kingdom culture. But we need to follow the truth of God's word. And for centuries, for centuries, the church has missed standing up for truth instead of culture. And for centuries, our cultures have been established around the world, and we've elevated, even worshipped our human culture over the kingdom culture. And we've we formed religions based on it. We formed behaviors, beliefs, governments, laws, even churches around human culture. And we don't understand why we can't come together. The only way you can reconcile culture is that you have to elevate kingdom above earth. When you elevate earthly culture, you will divide. When you elevate kingdom culture, you will unite. And the way people come, to, come together in the body of Christ is to elevate God's kingdom over their earthly culture. And the problem is that we look to the earthly culture to fix itself. <laughs> is that not what we see today? I mean, we stand on the sidelines and we say, we're trying to get the, the earthly culture to fix itself as if a politician or a president or a legislation or 
you know, the Senate or a house or anything like that can fix earthly culture. The earthly culture cannot fix itself. And I'm not speaking about the men and women, good men and women in those positions and understand that. I'm not speaking about that. But we cannot take earthly culture to fix earthly culture. It takes an elevation of a kingdom culture to fix a broken earthly culture. And when we keep our mind on the kingdom culture, we'll find ourselves operating by kingdom principles and not by earthly culture or earthly principles or prejudices or ideas. But... Unfortunately, we look to an earthly fix. See, kingdom culture and earthly culture will never, ever agree. Listen to this. Look at this in Matthew 24, 7. Here's what the word says. In the last days, if you read the previous scriptures, in the last days, you'll see this. And for nation will rise against nation. And listen to this. And kingdom against kingdom. There is a war going on with kingdom culture and earthly culture. And can I just say right now, because I don't believe the body of Christ is rising up as it should, we just might be losing. It seems like earthly culture is gaining but we cannot be silent. We cannot be silent. We have the only answer to reconciliation. We have the only answer to healing hurts and breaking chains that have been bound by culture and racism and discrimination for years. It is elevating a kingdom culture. What a lot of people never are never taught again is how to function in the kingdom of our God while they live in the kingdom of this world. See, we're not called to blend in with this world. We need a shift from earthly culture to kingdom culture. Let me give you two things we need to do. Number one, value people. Value people regardless of nationality or culture. Value people. Come on, can I say it this way? God valued you. And most of us, if not all of us, would consider ourselves at some point in time invaluable or unvaluable. Say it that way. And here's the thing, kingdom culture, earthly culture. See, God values us. He values everybody. In fact, there is nothing you can do that God will devalue you in. But yet, we don't operate the same way. We place a value on people based on culture or based on what we've been taught or what we think is right or not right. Aren't you glad God doesn't look that way on us? Thank goodness that there's nothing when I mess up and make a mistake that doesn't devalue me in the eyes of God. When I don't say things that in line with him or that he wants, it doesn't devalue me in the eyes of God. Then why is it that when we see people that think different, talk different, act different, then we devalue them. But yet we celebrate the value that we find in God, but then we devalue other people. And here's what we need to know. God loves that and values that person as much as he does you. He does not value one race or one people over another one. It was a funny illustration. I've shared this before. I remember one day just valuing uh, driving. When I drive, I just, I don't know what comes over me and uh, some kind of road rage thing. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm driving one day. Some guy cuts me off, just cuts me off. I'm like, are you serious? Can you believe that? And my word that I say is like, man, you knucklehead. Just like a knucklehead, right? And I just was sharing things out of my heart and tongues uh, towards him and, um, <laughs> and then repenting later. But uh, it's like that knucklehead. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me and said, hey, that's my knucklehead. Like, oh, okay. Well, can you get him off the road then? I mean, the guy, <laughs> come on. He's, he may be yours, but he's driving like he's the devil's right now. Get him out of there. What's that going on? But the, the, um, what he was trying to convey to me, the lesson was, hey, it doesn't matter. I, he's valuable to me. He means something to me. And all that we would be more kingdom-minded than earthly-minded, we, we would see, just as God does, it doesn't matter the color of your sin, if you're legal or illegal. Language, culture, God values everyone the same. And we know this, man. We were taught this. I was taught this as a kid. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Love people the way you want to be loved. 
Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says this. Does your life in Christ give you strength? Answer this. Does your life in Christ give you strength? Does your love, does does his love comfort you? Do we share together in the spirit? Do you have mercy and kindness? Then if so, make me, if so, make me very happy by having the same thoughts, sharing the same love and having one mind and purpose. When you do things, do not let selfish or selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Amen. That's not my problem. Yeah, it is. See, see, here's the thing. We, we want a role, but we don't want responsibility. But see, we're all responsible, no matter what your role is. Let them take care of that. Let them do it. No, we're all responsible, no matter what your role is. Number two here, learn to love people who don't love you. Learn to love people who don't love you. And let me say this, because I've been watching the news. I, I, next time I'm going to fast the news. I made a mistake and not. But I'm... A, I'm watching the news a little too much right now. And so here's what, can I say this? I'll use this illustration because I think it's so right now. I think, you know what? The Republicans need to learn to love the Democrats and the Democrats need to learn to love the Republicans. It's just the truth. It just is what it is, right? So we're divided. And let me say this. You need to pray for the president. Not about him, for him, right? We need to because the Bible says, but listen, we need to, we need to, we need to learn to love people who don't love us. And let me say it this way. This is what separates the kingdom culture from the earthly culture. When you can love those who don't love you, that's a mark of maturity. It's easy to love people who love you. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43 through 48. He said this, you heard it said, you had heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven, reflecting God, may be one with him. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Even the world loves that way. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than that than the others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect. Complete, rather. Mature, rather. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect or complete. He's talking about this love. He's really saying you have to be intentional with this love. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Love is not a feeling. It is a decision. Love is a decision that we make every day. I'm glad that Jesus, the love that he extended, wasn't directed by feelings because he had a moment the Bible describes in the garden when he cried out to God and said, if there any other way, (laughs) but you know what? He decided to follow God's will. Nonetheless, your will be done in me. I'm glad God's not, he's not, he doesn't operate by feelings because you know what? A lot of us would be in a lot of trouble right now because of what we've done and what we've said to hurt God or against God, if you will. I'm glad he has unconditional love. And if we are more kingdom-minded, we will be more prone to act that way. What would it look like if the church quit trying to be like our earthly culture and tried to be like our kingdom culture? Let's love people the way God's loved us. Amen. Let's show love the way Jesus showed love. No matter where they come from, what they look like, what culture they belong to, we need to act like Jesus. I'm going to close with this passage. Colossians 3, 10 through 14 says this. Put on your new nature. Oh my goodness, right there. There's the key, right there. Yeah, but I can't do this. I've been raised a certain way. I've been in a certain culture. I've been taught, put on your new nature. 
When Jesus comes into your heart and your life, he does something unique. He creates a new you, new birth. And let me say it this way. You know, when kids are born, kids don't have any prejudice. Kids don't have any, they don't know discrimination. It's a learned behavior. And I'm not even saying that parents teach them that, but it's, it's a culturally learned thing, right? It's a culturally learned thing. But they don't come out that way, and for a long time, they're not that way. They're just innocent and pure. Here's the beauty about the new birth. You're born again, right? You have a new nature. It doesn't matter what culture you grew up in at that point or in, you have the ability, the nature within you then, to see the way God sees through just purity and innocence instead of through prejudice and discrimination. So put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Press in, get closer. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves Put on intentionally tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. How can you not? You must forgive others. Verse 14. Above all, say above all. Above all, clothe yourselves. Put on intentionally love. Why? Why do I need to do that? Because it's love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. It's love that brings unity. He says, clothe yourself with love. I love that. I love that. Honey, could you come up? Guys, could you come move this? You know, yesterday at our time of prayer, just as praying through today, in fact, the focus was today and uh, this one thing that's in my heart, just praying it out. I, I felt this moment right here. And when it says, put on love, I just was praying this, put on love, it's like putting on your clothes. I, I get up every morning and I intentionally get dressed. And, and a lot of times my wife intentionally puts my clothes out because she doesn't like how I get dressed sometimes. But I, there's an intentionality. I, I put on, I put something on. It's the same picture. It's like, because the natural parallels the spiritual. You need to get on every morning and get up and purposely put on the love of God. No matter where you are and what's going on, who you're around or what you're doing, you intentionally put on the love of God. Clothe yourself in the love of God because I believe that the church is clothed in the love of God. When you see somebody like in a really nice uh, a shirt or outfit or whatever, it's like, hey man, that looks good on you. The church should be walking around the world, should be saying, man, that looks good on you. What are you wearing? I'm wearing the love of God today. Or I want what you're wearing. How, where'd you get that? And instead of saying, Ross, <laughs> you say, God, I put on the love of God today. How, so here's the, here's the natural question. How do you put on the love of God? Well, it's not in the things that we say because it's not seen. It's what we do. And then I'm reminded last week, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and get the messages that you've missed last week. There's a moment when Jesus in John 13 was with his disciples and it's the end of his life, his time. There's a couple hours left and we talked about this last week. I don't want to go long into it, but he's, there's one more thing I need to convey to my small group. One more thing to the, I need to convey to these people here, therefore the world and all of eternity. One more thing as we're sitting around dinner having what we know is to be the last supper and all of a sudden he got up and he did something amazing which totally shocked everybody in the room. He got up and he put on love. What Jesus did is he clothed himself with love. What do I mean by that? The Bible says that Jesus got a towel which is the mark of a servant. And he clothed himself. And he needed a big pin like this, but they didn't have him back then. So the Holy Spirit held it in place. (laughs) 
If it wasn't so tight, I'd use it to wipe my tears out of my eyes right now, but I can't move. And Jesus clothed himself in love. And it was shocking because it was radical in that day because the only one that really would put on a servant cloth was a servant. And because understand, in the upper room, as in any home, any place, there would be a basin of water by the door because when people that day, when they're walking around and it's a dirty road and, and they're walking in things and stepping in things and walking and stuff, and they come into a home, there'd be a basin of water and the lowest of the lowest servant would be the one tasked with putting the, putting the towel around his waist and washing their feet. And it wasn't so they wouldn't get the house dirty because the house is cleaned and constantly clean. It was so that person that came in that house could be refreshed. Because for a moment then, they could have the dust of what they've been, can I say it this way? They could have the dirt of their life washed off of their feet, that which carried them. And everywhere that your feet would carry you, you're gathering dust and dirt. Oh, to come to a place that knew how to put on love. So when we leave this place, we can leave refreshed. Whether we look like we look, act like we look, no matter the color of our skin, no matter the nationality that we have, no matter what we've done in life, to come to a place where people know what it's like to put on the love of God and be willing to humble themselves and to get down close and personal with somebody that doesn't look like them, that may have all kinds of dirt and stuff on their life that you don't want in the natural anything to do with, and you would rather stay away, but to put on love and to go and to serve. I'd like to invite Jaime and, Mary, Jaime and Maribel. Would you come up, please? Jaime, Maribel, come up, please. I'd like to invite Tammy and Lindell, would you come up, please? See, we're privileged in this church that we have all kinds, of, all kinds of people here, all kinds of races, nationalities. And we're a church that believes that no matter who comes through that door, they all have value. They all are worth something significant. And that every single one of us, whether you're the pastor or whether you're some, every single one of us needs to put on love. Because here's what Jesus did after he was washing feet and Peter said, no, I, you can't wash mine. And an awkward moment. And Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet and you have no part of me, then we're, we can't be in partnership. We can't do life together. And, and then Jesus taught him this lesson after it was over. He said, now that you've seen me do it, you call me master, you call me Lord. And that is right because I am that. He says, but do what I have done. What Jesus was saying is we got to get past the formal. He goes, I may be teacher and rabbi, but listen, but I'm here just to serve you just like you're here to serve. And Jessamine and I want you to know that we may be Pastor Don, Pastor Jessamine with that, but we're here to serve you. We're here to serve everybody, love everybody, not based on the color of their skin or if they, they think the way we think, act the way we act. We're here to serve everybody, whatever nationality that you are. We're here to serve all of you. I appreciate my volunteers because all they were told was, hey, can Pastor Don use you in an illustration? We wanted him to come. But here's what I know, Jaime and Maddie Bell. We love you. I don't know what it's like to be Hispanic. I try. <laughs> I try. Salsa's too hot. I, just, I, I try. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. Jaime's from Mexico. Maddie Bell's from Honduras. We're so glad God brought them here. Here's what also I know. They invited us over to their home a few weeks ago. We went to their home and ate with them. They had some hurts. 
real hurts. In fact, honestly, I don't know if I should say this or not, and God forgive me, but, but they were at a church that hurt them. I'm so sorry. A church that was legalistic. You had to be a certain way, do a certain things, and that's not what I see in Scripture. In fact, I thought about starting a small group to go over and visit, but I need forgiveness after that. Had a couple of you men in mind. Go with me. But the reality is that you have great value. You have great value. And we love you and we honor you here. It doesn't matter if you're from Mexico or Honduras. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, where you've been, what you've experienced, but we're honored that you're here. And so on behalf of the heart of the house, so they've come into our house. They've brought their family. They've brought their daughters. And they see one back here on the guitar. They brought their daughters, Alcia and Sarai, here. They're in our house. So they need to be refreshed. And so we want to refresh them. Pray God's blessings over you and your family. It's a privilege to serve you, to do life with you, ministry with you, and all that God has. Hame Maribel, los amamos. We love you. What do you do with that? How do you recover from that one? All right. Well, it didn't quite work out. You get the idea. Yeah. It's such a powerful moment. So here we have Tammy and Lindell. So probably what many of you don't know is they were displaced because of Hurricane Katrina. They were, they were comfortable there. They had a great church. They had great friends, great family. And all of a sudden that was disrupted. And they're like, God, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? We're leaving everything behind. We're leaving what we know behind. The family that loved us, we love them. Where are we going to go, God? Do you have a place for us? Is there another family? Is there another group of people that will welcome us and accept us and love us? And I don't know what it's like to be an African-American man in today's world, but I know there's still so much injustice and so much inequality. I know there's still all that. And I don't know. I don't know what that looks like or what that feels like. All I know is that you've come through these doors with your family, with the, with the, the dust of this world, the, the hurt of life, and where, where your life is taking you, you've been displaced. We believe God brought you here. And all we know to do is that we're going to put on love. And hopefully we can wash some of that dust and dirt off of life, the heart, heartbreak, the hurt, the wrongs that you've experienced and suffered, and maybe bring some refreshing. And so guys, we love you. We're honored to be a part of your journey. We're thankful that God has brought you here. Your sons, God has a great plan and purpose for your sons. And I know that you have concerns because they're growing up young African-American men in the world today, that country today, that the reality, the truth is there still is racial injustice and inequality. And you want them to be godly men and God has a good plan and we stand with you in that. And we fight the fight of faith with you in that. We believe God's best. 
Because we believe when you come into this house, this is a place that we put on the love of God and that we're here to refresh you. That's our heart. We believe that's as God intended. And we believe that we need to be a church that knows how to put on the love of God, the servant, unconditional love, that we're willing to get down at that level with anybody and everybody, no matter what the dust or the dirt look like in their life, on their feet, that this should be a place that they can come and find refreshing no matter where they come from, what their nationality, what their language, what their culture, what their color, if they're rich or poor, young or old. We put on love. We clothe ourselves with the love of God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.